Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland. For innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of the Niner Noise Podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. My name is Robert Morrison. I'm a contributor at NinerNoise.com, and here with me to, well, do a little something different is uh, my good friend and fellow contributor at Niner Noise, Chris Wilson. Chris, how we doing there, sir? And by do something different, that doesn't mean not talk. So, sorry, guys. No, 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 no. We're going to talk. That would have been weird. The world's first silent podcast. This week, we're doing interpretive dance. Ooh, that's good. Although it would certainly go down as one of our most popular podcasts. <laughs> but as far as how am I doing, you don't even need to ask. Because today is a very, very good day. Yes. And you are about to find out why. Yes, indeed. Before we get into the details there, we do we do have one very important announcement. Um, the most important announcement in 49ers land. And that, of course, is that our good buddy, All-Pro Fred Warner, is officially an All-Pro. Um, named the first team uh, All-Pro for the 2020 season. So a major highlight in uh, what was otherwise a rather dismal uh, 49ers season. So I'm excited for that. I'm glad to see that the 6-10 and 10 record that the Niners finished with didn't have any uh, impact on uh, the All-Pro voters recognizing that All-Pro Fred is uh, quite good at football. So good news there. Yeah, well, we had Tony Romo say it, and then we had Aaron Rodgers say it, and then we had a hashtag. Mm-hmm. So it was like a given. Yep, pretty much. NFL may be powerful, but you can't expect him to overcome that. Yeah. Plus, it was very well-deserved. For sure. I still like him for not running me over that one time. That was, that was <laughs> nice of him. Hopefully, this won't put any major issues in the whole, like, him signing a new contract thing. But, you know. Oh, of course it will. <laughs> <laughs> I know. How much did that cost? <laughs> but I can wish. Um, well, you just got to roll that into, like, future incentives. Like, you did it. Now do it again. And we'll give you a lot more money out of pocket right, right now um let's get to the good stuff good stuff yeah let's get to the really good stuff here yeah man as chris <laughs> said we have a very special guest and we are proud to bring on that guest and so today we are joined by uh matt miller of the draft scouts matt how are you doing this evening sir i'm doing well i'm still adjusting to that 
for 10 years, people have said my name, and then they say Bleacher Report. And it still catches me off guard. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I've done about 40 of these this week, and I'm still like, wait, what? <laughs> Who do I work for? <laughs> uh, it's, been, it's been a weird adjustment, but a good one. Yeah, absolutely. With that in mind, can you tell us a little bit about the new site? You know, what goals you have for it, where the idea came from, anything that you want to talk about in regards to plugging it and telling us about it? Yeah, I appreciate that, guys. Like you said, it's thedraftscout.com, um, a close play on my Twitter handle, NFL Draft Scout, uh, without getting the NFL pissed off at me. Um, well, good luck. <laughs> so basically, I think this story's been out there, so I don't think I'm breaking any news to you guys, but um, you know, my contract was up. And Bleacher Report approached me about extending that contract. You know, during that time, there was actually a lot of turnover within the company. You know, uh, again, this is all documented. Howard Mittman was like, go CEO amidst, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement that happened this past summer. Uh, and then the, the gentleman who took his place, Sam Tolls, uh, was let go. And in between that, um, the people, uh, Rachel Brill, a uh, wonderful woman, was managing me. She was let go. So over the course of several months, three people who I was reporting to were let go. And I had already been thinking about doing my own thing after a 10-year run. That's a long time to work somewhere in media. And and those those moves, not that I, you know, I wasn't, I'm in Missouri, not in the New York office, so I didn't really even have an opinion about them. But it it kind of just made me feel like now's the time to try my own thing. And I, I felt like I was fortunate enough to have built enough of an audience on my own that I didn't necessarily need the push of Bleacher Report putting my article in their app anymore or tweeting out my work. And and BR is a wonderful company. I have so many amazing friends who worked there and still work there, and they're going to continue to do amazing things. I just feel like for me personally, it was time to do something else. And I mean, y'all are football fans, so you know how this goes. Uh, you know, when you work somewhere like Bleacher Report or ESPN, you, there's a lot of other things going on. It's not just the NFL draft. And, <laughs> and that's cool, right? It's what makes them really profitable and really fun. And so for me, it was like, I want to go somewhere where like, where my work is my focus 365 days a year. And, and I had a lot of readers who'd be like, man, we, we don't even know where to find your work anymore. And mm-hmm. that's just the, that's what happens. It gets lost in the shuffle of a gigantic company. So now I launched this new site. And everything I write will get immediately sent to your inbox. So it'll be right to your, when I hit publish, you get an email. Hey, Matt posted a mock draft. So I'm excited about that. And I really want to, I don't know if you guys know this. My first job in the draft was covering the 49ers. Yeah. And and it was for a little bitty website uh, called um, NFL Draft Blitz. This was like in the year 2000 or something. And, and so I want to like, I want to throw back to that. I want to cover every team. You know, I want to talk about team needs and scheme fits. And I want to talk about why Justin Jefferson is valuable because he went to Minnesota before the season starts and why Clyde Edwards Alaire goes from RB four to RB one because of where he was drafted. I want to, I want to have the room and the, the time to talk about all those things. And I want to get back to that early like draft, the internet days of having a community around something that we all love. Like Twitter's amazing, but it's toxic. And if you have a different opinion, you're going to get, you know, you're going to get yelled at. And so I've actually already launched a discord server. And like the number one rule is like, no bullshit. Like we're there to have fun and learn and, you know, help each other. And, and so like, I I just really want to do that. I want to build a community around the draft like there used to be and, and really devote the coverage that this amazing thing that we all love, you know, to really promote that and, and give people a space where, whether you're a Niners fan or a Chiefs fan or a Bengals fan, you feel like you're going to get good content. 
Nice. That's really cool. And and I think that you have that opportunity to to be able to do that. Not many people have the chance to go off and to build on something that you've done over the last, you know, 10 years. And so I commend you for taking the opportunity and looking forward to seeing what the site has to offer for sure. I checked out your new site and tossed my name in the hat there. Definitely looked quite interesting. I feel like that's the revenue model a lot of analysts are beginning to head toward and something that we're going to see a lot more in the future. So something fairly new and you're certainly betting on yourself. You're really on the front end of it. So I think that was a good call on your part. Yeah, which, you know, I kind of was with, thank you. I kind of was when I was a Bleach Report. I had a lot of people at the time tell me like, that place is never going to work. Like, don't go there, you know? And there were a couple of other places that were trying to hire me at the same time. And they were like, don't go to Bleach Report. No one's even heard of that site. And, mm-hmm. you know, and then Dave Finocchio builds it into this, you know, gigantic company that Turner ends up buying. And then, you know, the rest is kind of history. But I, I feel like I've always, you know, just followed my instincts and my convictions. And I do agree. This is kind of the way I know this is not you didn't have me on here to talk about the future of sports journalism, but I do feel like that's the way like the industry is kind of going. Right. And so um, I actually had a, a buddy of mine who uh, used to work at BR. He hit me up and he was like, we're all watching to see if you fail at this. Cause if you do, like none of us are going to try it, but if it works, you know, then it, it's kind of cool because you, you almost feel like a pioneer in some ways. And the yeah. athletics been doing this really well for a long time, but mm-hmm. uh, to do it on your own, not affiliated with, you know, a bundle of other, really exceptional writers like they've done. Um, it's kind of fun being the guinea pig at this point. Yeah, I feel like The Athletic took that first intermediate step to open the door to those who are talented enough to do it on their own without the backing of a large, well-known entity. Although they've since become a fairly large, well-known entity. And I think it's a good thing. Getting the unfiltered opinion is always the way that I like to hear it. Unfortunately, I can't always say it myself, but I do try to anyway, <laughs> at least until That's Robert yeah. immediately that is changes true. the subject because he figured out that he can't mute me. <laughs> I can't confirm. I do have a quick hard hitting question. How did you become a 49ers fan? Uh, yeah. So I, when I was five years old, um, I grew up fairly religious. And so I came home from church on a Sunday night and my two older brothers are like, mom, down the Super Bowl is on. We got to turn it on. We got to turn it on. And so they turn it on and Jerry Rice is just beating the piss out of the Denver Broncos. And so uh, <laughs> that was my first exposure to football. And I was, I was in that sweet spot of like just being fascinated with it and falling in love with it. And so, you know, that's the late eighties, early nineties and being even in the middle of the country, I'm in Missouri, right? So being in the middle of the country, it was still, I was so blessed because the Niners were on every Sunday because they were the best <laughs> team of football. And so I'm like the weird kid wearing our Jerry Rice jersey to school when everybody else has got like, you know, the Marcus Allen, Derek Thomas, Troy Aikman. And I was, I was the only Niners fan of my whole school. And so, and then it just kind of became a badge of honor of like, yeah, I'm different. Like I'm not like everyone else around here and that's okay. And then, you know, like my son is seven and he's been a Chiefs fan for about the same, you know, about the same age that I became a Niners fan. And I was telling him the other day, I was like, I know you won't believe this, but you became a Chiefs fan, like right when Mahomes got there and you're so lucky. Like for me, it was Montana and Rice and then Steve Young. And like, you know, there was like 15 years of my life. This team was never bad. And he's about to go through the same thing, unfortunately, for us. But that was it for me. I was hooked. (laughs) I was I was just so hooked. Well, you can always talk smack about the last 50 years. Yeah. 
Awkward times in your house last February. Man, I was so I was there. I was in uh, I was in South Beach, and and he knew, and he was just talking shit. You know, the whole two weeks leading up. <laughs> I took him to the AFC Championship game, and so we go to the AFC Championship game, and he's like, "We're going to the Super Bowl," and it's then he knew. Okay, if Dad's team wins, this gonna be a house divided for two weeks. So I got to FaceTime as soon as the game ended. You know, a six year old talking smack, but I guess it's my fault. So that's rough. Yeah, I was able to get to the game too. I bet your tickets were better than mine. <laughs> uh, you know what? It's, it's funny. I didn't go. Uh, I actually didn't go to the game because some of my buddies flew down and, and they didn't want to pay five grand for the game because they're not crazy. So what we ended up doing no was kidding. just like we had a hotel on South Beach and uh, the hotel threw a watch party. So it ended up being one of the greatest nights. Even though my team lost, it ended up you know salvaging it and being a great night. But you save yourself some money and probably a tier or two. <laughs> exactly right you know i was there when they lost to the ravens in new orleans and so i've been through that yeah i don't want to do that again um i might actually be bad luck guys yeah chris might be too oh i definitely am i've been to two super bowls the 49ers have lost a total of two super bowls guess which two super bowls i went to chris is banned from the next one for sure 100 percent. yeah i don't think i'm allowed to go but i'm going anyway <laughs> It's funny though. My story is like the exact same thing. My first memories of football are sitting on my parents' bed as they're helping me like learn how to tie my shoes and Jerry Rice is scoring touchdowns and they're on TV every Sunday and now they're my favorite team because I'm a bandwagon fan because I'm like four and extremely irresponsible. <laughs> yeah, I don't think the four-year-old me had a concept of how that decision would affect me going forward and the impact it would have on me over the rest of my life. I'm not sure why I had to pick a team on the West Coast. I don't know. Maybe the bad years make you a little bit more of a fan of having to suffer through them. But I just wish we would do a little less suffering. So I'm actually the only one who's, who was born in California. Although I don't live there now. I'm in the East Coast now, but that's funny. Hey, not complaining about it. But anyway, um, <laughs> so Matt, we wanted to talk with you sort of generally speaking, uh, starting off ab- about the 2021 draft, because obviously that's your your main focus. So just kind of thinking on a, on a general level, not specifically about the 49ers quite yet, but what do you think um, are the, the like the strengths of the draft and the weaknesses of the draft in terms of like position groups as we head into it here pretty soon? Yeah, it's crazy because that's changed since if you had asked me in August, I would have been like, oh, quarterback, left tackle, wide receiver. Those are the strengths. And I, I do think that's you know still the same. We'll see four quarterbacks go in the first round. That's pretty good. Uh, we'll see quite a few left tackles. But I think the groups that have closed the gap a little bit, I think the edge rusher group has gotten good. There's not a Chase Young. There's not a Nick Bosa. There's not that surefire top five guy. But there are still like five or six first round players. There are probably seven or eight second and third round players. It's just a really, really deep group all the way through. I think thanks to some underclassmen, the corner class has gotten pretty good. You know, it's like every year now we're like running back and wide receiver are good. Mm-hmm. And so it's almost like it's, it's going to happen every year. There's just too many athletes. It's just a foregone conclusion that those can be good groups, but I mean, they are, they are strong again this year. And I think you know, specifically to the Niners, the, the strength of this draft does match up pretty well with their needs. And, some of that it's hard to predict right now with free agency and what's going to happen with Trent Williams, what's going to happen with Jimmy Garoppolo. There's a lot that has to be kind of hashed out, but I think just looking at a general big board and where the team selects in the first round, things could shake out pretty well, even though, you know, drafting in the middle of round one or, you know, 12 overall, instead of, you know, being an early pick, I think that could still be a pretty sweet spot. Again, depending on what happens in free agency. 
Right. Yeah. That was actually the, the next question that I was going to ask about the, the Niners specifically. Obviously, a lot to know about. And you mentioned the two big names, uh, Trent Williams being the the number one uh, sort of like what is what's going to happen with him, because that obviously would probably change uh, the calculus on that first round pick altogether. But assuming he gets taken care of, and that's a pretty large assumption, what do you think are the the, the biggest team needs for the Niners that they need to be thinking about just in the offseason in general, thinking free agency and the draft altogether? Yeah, that's something I actually was working on this morning. And the way I, I do it in tiers. So I put the Niners tier one needs quarterback, left tackle, and corner. And some of that, again, free agency is going to, we're going to figure that out. But if I was looking at that roster right now, so the three things you got to figure out, what are you doing at quarterback? And I have a very strong opinion on that. Anyone who follows me on Twitter <laughs> knows I'm, I'm over, I'm over the Jimmy Garoppolo experience. Uh, left tackle. I think I may have a question <laughs> about that. We can, we, absolutely. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Trent Williams played exceptionally well. I think you could even say, I mean, he might've been the best left tackle in football this year. It's just a matter of getting him back, you know, with the salary cap being the way it is. And then corner, you know, Richard Sherman himself has said, they're probably not bringing me back. And so those are the areas I would look at is immediate needs. I think interior offensive line could be improved. You know, the safety position is going to get hit pretty hard by free agency. And then you know, obviously I think it's safe to say that Solomon Thomas and D Ford were both pretty big misses. So I think that other edge spot is going to be something that has to get figured out, even though, you know, I, I like some of the, you know, the rotational guys who've been in there. It's just mm-hmm. getting, I think a little bit more consistency is going to be pretty key. Yeah, absolutely. So are there any, you know, not to to take away from the, I know you have a, a mock draft that's will probably be out right by the time we. And not yet. So okay. I actually, I'm, I'm forbidden from writing until February 11th. So we got some oh. time. We can spoil oh, okay. it. Well, all right then. <laughs> so February 11th, can you talk about any specific players? I don't want you to necessarily spoil the whole thing for, for Niners fans. Cause we want you to, to grab some, some readers from this for sure, but players that you are considering thinking about that might be on the team's radar. Yeah, I think so at corner, because I, I do think at 12, unfortunately, there's a lot of teams ahead of the Niners who need a quarterback, right? So you're, you're probably missing Trevor Lawrence. Unfortunately, Zach Wilson's <laughs> going to be gone. Uh, I think Justin Fields and Trey Lance are probably going to be gone as well. So you, you kind of miss that, that sweet mm-hmm. spot. So I look at the corner group, Patrick Sertan at Alabama. I, I think it's tailor made for the yeah. Robert Sala defense. Uh, just perfect. Like that's, if you can make a corner for this defense, it's him. And outside of that, I think Caleb Farley at Virginia Tech is really intriguing as well. I mean, similar build, 6'2", 210. Farley's actually, I think, a, a little bit quicker. Um, so that's definitely interesting. But they both work well, you know, in that, that press bail. They're going to be great at it because they have the size, they have the length. They both have really good instincts. So those are two players that I'm very intrigued by. I, I think it's just, it is a, I know I said, you know, oh, the, the draft lines up with the, the pick and the needs well. It's mostly because corner, and if the corners are gone, you got a great chance at the best edge in the class, which I think is Quiddy Pay at Michigan. Um, unfortunately, you know, quarterback, those four are going to be gone. And then at mm-hmm. left tackle, Penny Sewell's going to be gone from Oregon. And then I really like Rashawn Slater uh, from Northwestern. I think there's a great chance he's gone as well. So you get into a spot where I think Niner fans are salivating at the idea of we got to get an offensive guy, got an offensive guy. The round one really might be about defense right now. Yeah. Well, it's this seems to be Lynch's uh, M.O. at this point, right? <laughs> you can kind of grab a, a defensive lineman in the first round somewhere or else we're going to think something's wrong with him. <laughs> You're like, is John Lynch okay? 
in terms of like building strength on strength, I mean, there's no doubt that even even with Bosa and Bosa out and Ford out, you know, it was still in many cases, you know, something that they got a lot out of probably more than they had any business getting out of uh, this season. You know, Kerry Hyder was spectacular um, <laughs> throughout the season coming basically out of out of nowhere. Um, so I think, you know, continuing to build and I think you you talked about that earlier, it's just. You know, if Bosa's back and and ready to go like he was during his rookie season, then finding someone opposite him might not be the worst idea in the world and would certainly help whatever they decide to do at cornerback for sure as well. Yeah, you know, like Kerry Hyder was good. I mean, he's he's a good player, but I think you would you would like a young guy in there, someone who has, you know, a little bit more of a a ceiling. I think Ark Armstead can play everywhere and that's a that's a plus, but also you'd rather like you want to get back to 2019, you know, when it was just, okay, we got four ass kickers up here. Good luck. And, <laughs> and I think that's you know, like, that's how this team's built. That's the identity is we're going to run the ball and we're going to rush the quarterback. And yeah. you know, that, that didn't happen this year, which is why the record was what it was. Mm-hmm. For sure. Some of these guys that we had on the field, if we were lucky to have them on the field at the end of the season were guys who were supposed to be backups or potentially guys who didn't make the team. So we did the most with what we had, but it'd be a lot better to have a Bosa and then, Obviously not someone similar to him, but somebody with an effective pass rush on the other side with long third downs where it seemed like all we had was 300-pound guys running after the quarterback on third downs this year. Speaking of 300-pound guys running after the quarterback on third down, for those listening at home, (laughs) that's a segue. If my memory serves me correctly, I believe you were a bit anti-Kinlaw prior to the draft. Is that correct? That is, and not anti like Javon as a human being. Or, no, of course right, not. Of course for not. the Niners. You weren't calling him names, right? Yeah, for the Niners, I was. And my big thing was so there's a lot, there's a lot to go on here. I, DeForest Buckner was my favorite player on the team. So as a fan, I was pissed <laughs> yeah. off. You know, it's like, we all were. so you're going to trade an all pro to draft his replacement. Like, you traded the wrong guy. No disrespect to Armstead. You traded the wrong guy, right? Like, mm-hmm. you don't, you don't trade the second best defensive tackle in football. And then, you know, with the, Oh, we'll just replace him with a rookie. Like if you traded him for like picks, plural and like a starter. Like, okay. I can understand this. I really, and I understand I had it explained to me 18 different ways. That, oh, it's about mm-hmm. the salary cap. Salary cap still math guys didn't work. You know? So I, I didn't like that. I liked Javon a lot, like on my board, that's where he should have been drafted. I just, I really didn't like trading, uh, trading Buckner. And then my other thing with the Niners, we went through this with Trent Baalke guys. We were all there together, uh, drafting players who have an injury history in college. Like let's not, let's just not do that anymore. And it's funny because so many of those guys were South Carolina players. It's like, so you're going right back to the well of let's draft a banged up South Carolina guy. Now Javon played really well. I I think he's, he's going to be very, very good. I really do think that it's just, I, I think it's hard when you, you trade a fan favorite who's, all pro caliber. And we saw that in Indy this year uh, with not a whole lot around him, not like there is in San Francisco and someone who's just, you know, like the heart and soul of your defense. It, it was tough. And I, I do, I think Javon's going to be really good. Um, I think we, we saw flashes this year when he was out there, but he's not a divorce Buckner and no matter how cheap he costs right now, it's just, it's tough to go from an exceptional player to a project. Well, just two years ago, offensives were focusing their entire blocking scheme around Buckner. And then, yeah, just to leave him like that, I sort of get the reasoning, but I sure didn't agree with it. And it was a tough situation seeing him leave because he was such a force that now is a force on a different team. And we have Armstead, who almost gets the quarterback a lot, but never really does. <laughs> uh, so close. 
I just have to get this Jimmy question out of the way since I warned you about it. I remember you being a fairly, I wouldn't say a Jimmy lover, but you were like well on the Jimmy train. I was a fan. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think you named him like the breakout (laughs) player of 2019 prior to, or you predicted that he would be, predicted that they go eight and eight, something like that. So from a fan perspective, okay. So they went to Super Bowl. Obviously he's not carrying them on his shoulders. And then out of the season, I guess even before he was injured, before the season even started, he said that he was the worst quarterback in the NFC West. So my question, and I never thought I'd be able to ask you this, and I'm just lucky that I am able to, is <laughs> what made you change your mind? Because you obviously know a lot about scouting, and you know a lot about watching tape, and probably give me a pretty good answer, whereas I don't really have a very good answer right now. Yeah, no, that's a, it's a fair question. It totally is. And I, you know, when you have opinions and you put them on Twitter, uh, people can ask you about that opinion. That's how it works. And so um, I really midway through the year, 2019 season, watching not as a fan, but watching as an analyst, yeah. there were so many times where it's like they are winning in spite of him. And, you know, there were definitely games. I think the Arizona game where he just went off. It was like four touchdowns, 400 yards. It's like, well, what am I seeing? Because, and I, I don't have my notes in front of me, but I do remember the first Seattle game it was like, this isn't going to do it. This is not good enough for how, how good this team is. And I think that's when some of the wheels like started to fall off for me, you know, is the Washington game when they, they won like nine to nothing or something. It was like, good Lord, that's a bad defense. That's a really bad defense. And it, it, it scared me. It was like, uh Oh, and then it was a couple weeks later, it was a Seattle game. And, and then from there, it was just like a nosedive almost. And it was, okay, they started running the ball a lot more. They started protecting him a lot. And, you know, I, I have a lot of, or I have some connections around the NFL. I don't want to say a lot because that's oh, you know, relative you to some people I, I don't. But I have <laughs> some, more than yeah. we do. So that, it, it sure that seems that. like you do. <laughs> and so I started reaching out to people who used to work there, people who currently work there. And was like, just, t- am I wrong about this? Or is Kyle protecting him? And it's like, everyone kind of had the same opinion. And so my thing is like, I'm sure Jimmy's a great guy. He's a hell of a lot better looking than me, the hell of a lot better quarterback than me. But like, <laughs> it just got to the point where it's like, this is, it's like replacement level quarterbacking. And then, you know, we saw in the postseason. I mean, the guy threw the ball like 55 times in three games in the postseason, And the, the Super Bowl was the nail in the coffin for me. And I know that like that might seem reactionary, but the Super Bowl to me, and I've had this conversation with a lot of people It's like the Super Bowl was the nail in the coffin. It solidified like what I thought I had seen over the last like 10 or 12 weeks of the play was just getting worse. And then, so what I did this summer, because I host a radio show every day and one of my co-hosts called me out on it too. And I was like, well, you know what? I've got some free time. I'm going to go back. And it was really, you go back to, you know, the minute he became the Niners starting quarterback, it was, it's a lot of turnovers and it's, you know, and I think for all of us at that time, you're going from really inconsistent quarterback play and you get a guy who comes in and wins five straight games and you're like, oh, this is it. And you overlook the fact that he threw five interceptions in, in five games. And and so then, you know, even the 2018 season when he was, when he got hurt, week one, three picks, you know, and it's just like, so this, it's just kind of who he is. And I, I live by a motto with scouting of like when someone shows you who they are, you know, believe it. And with Jimmy, it was, that instinct of gosh, like he's, he's good enough, but he's not good. He just really gnawed at me. And it got to the point where I, I think I was probably the first person with a national platform to be like, Hey, this ain't it. 
And you're right. You know, the tweet where I said he's the fourth best quarterback in the NFC West, people got pissed about that. Oh, yeah. um, I would like yeah. to think that I was right about it in hindsight. So, uh, you know, some of that might be because of the injury, but I think Niner fans would take, if all the money was equal, I mean, I would rather have Jared Goff, Kyler Murray, or Russell Wilson on this team. So I, I and that's why I like with the off season, the biggest question is quarterback and the conversation I, I've had with people out there, it doesn't seem like they're any more sold on them than we all are as fans. It's fairly obvious that Chan's protecting him, but it's odd how he treats his quarterback so differently, even though a lot of them have similar turnover problems. But there's often a method to his madness that I don't understand. Your prediction that for him, you think he's going to be sent on his way? Or do you think he's going to be like a, a bridge guy for someone that they draft? You know, not in the top 12, but at some point after that. Because knowing Lynch, he'll trade everyone to his picks like he did last year. So who knows where we'll actually end up. <laughs> exactly, right? Yeah. Uh, if it's for Deshaun Watson, go for it. I'm okay with that. Uh, I do think that yeah. Jimmy will probably be sent on his way. Like, the contract's just too easy to get out of at this point. You know, was it $2.8 million cap hit? Yeah. Um, when I realized that, that was like an earth-shattering moment for me. It was like, oh, okay, he's gone. Uh, because it is it is so small. And I, I know it's even... Uh, half that next year if they decide to get rid of him. So um, I do think that he's probably going to be uh, moved on. I think it's too easy to connect the dots and be like, God, why don't they just, uh, you know, if you trade him to New England, you might get some picks back and they get the quarterback that they wanted to keep all along and everybody's <laughs> happy, right? So there's yeah. there's even like a scenario, there's a Cinderella story here. Everybody's happy in this fairy tale where he just goes back to New England. Belichick gets the guy he wanted when he you know tried trading Tom Brady to the Niners instead. And it's like, okay, and the 49ers now have picks to, you know, fill out a roster that has a million free agents and some key guys who are aging and, and a lot of holes to fill, quite honestly. Yep. Yeah, I feel like that's the only situation that I would be okay with. Just what I don't want is for them just to let him go and then he immediately goes to the Saints because they don't, they're like pretending that there is no salary cap next year and they sign him and then he's beating us next year. Actually, we don't play him next year. Finally. Maybe in the playoffs. <laughs> Whenever the next time is we, we play him in a couple of years. And that image, I don't know if we'll be able to handle it. For me, it's just always been a, and you could probably speak to this better than I can, but I'm not 100% sure who he is. And yeah, he does throw a lot of picks, a lot more than I want him to. Some of them are sort of inexplainable. <laughs> uh, but you know, a lot of them are off Kendrick Bourne's hands. And then Rita hand the ball off to uh to the lineman. So some of his fault, some aren't. Obviously he has his problems, his issues. I just really, really like to see a full year of healthy Garoppolo before I give up on him. It's just sort of my stance on it. Just I could picture him turning into a very good quarterback and us not having him and us feeling very stupid when we draft the next CJ Bathard. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, and I I love Kyle. He's, I think he's the best offensive mind of football. I don't know that he should be in the draft room anymore. Um, you know, Joe Williams, CJ, keep him away from the draft room. Just a couple where it's like, oh, come on, don't do this. Um, great at wide receivers. Yeah, great at wide receivers though. So I just want to touch on something. Just something that you said. You said something about uh, the Deshaun Watson thing. So are you pretty much anti trading? out of 12 to try to get into the top five or eight to get one of these rookies? Do you think that's too high a price 
uh, to pay for a team that has, as you noted, a fair amount of holes and a lot of free agents. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't think it's crazy because I, the hope is, you know, with Kyle Shanahan as your head coach, you're not going to be there again. You know, you're not going to have that opportunity again. That's mm-hmm. the hope, right? So I think right. that's how you sell it. That's, if, if they hired me tomorrow, I'm going to walk into Jed York's office with him and say, listen, we know what we're doing. We're never going to be in this position again. We got to go get a guy. And, and I think, you know, whether it's Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, or Trey Lance, they all fit this offense really well. And that's, yeah. a, that's a credit to Kyle and, and Mike and what they do schematically that you know, give me a guy with a run threat and a bigger arm than Jimmy and things are going to get really fun really fast, especially with those receivers. So I think the only thing with the trade-up scenario that I that I struggle with is the, okay, what are you giving up? Like mm-hmm. what, Because they don't have a lot of draft capital, right? You're not, you're not blessed with multiple firsts. You're not not in a position with multiple seconds. You know, they have eight picks right now and they don't have a third because they traded it to Washington. So that's where well, they might have one, one soon. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. The, the compensatory third could be very nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and the solid thing too. It. Right. Right. So that, right. that comes into play, right. Of if you have that, but even like, so even a, if you give up 12, 43 and let's say you get a, a pick from the solid deal let's say it's 97 she's not going to get you very high and especially like when you know it's going to be for a quarterback you know right. that's that's the other thing when you're trading up for a quarterback teams tend to inflate the price <laughs> of that pick a little bit you know the jet colts trade a couple of years ago you know it, was, right. it took three second rounders and so it was and it then we went from six to three they didn't go that far and they well, get three second rounders. So even just what Lynch did to <laughs> to the Bears a couple of years ago to get from <laughs> three to two was pretty interesting too. So although who knows what was going on there, but that's a different situation. But yeah, I, I think you're. I think you're right about that. It's hard to bring up that draft without just crying though. It was one for the ages. <laughs> well, I'm not trying to be controversial. Sort of going to though, because <laughs> as you see, I'm the instigator here. <laughs> That's what he does. So I totally agree with you that Shanahan should not be anywhere near the draft room, or like maybe he should just go on vacation that week or something. But do you have faith in Lynch to make the correct picks? And uh, that's <laughs> sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> it's sort of a two part question. The, the latter one's more the controversial part, but you'll probably answer it quickly. Is there still that friction? between the two of them that you spoke of a couple of years ago. Yeah. So um, I'll start with that because that, that did really, it, it got legs. That story took off and it was funny because it was kind of a, it was almost a throwaway line in a much bigger story. It was like, um, you know, it was like a blurb for every team. Um, and that was what I had heard. And so I reported it. I will say that the, the, the folks who I got that information from at that time, um, you know, we joke about it of like, Oh, the friction in San Francisco, I don't know necessarily that it's still like that. And people forget the second sentence of that report was that if they don't win, there will be friction because it was, you know, that belief that the draft hadn't gone as expected. They went to the Super Bowl that year. So they won. Like they, they squashed, you know, the thing that was causing the friction was not winning. And so um, do I trust John Lynch to make the decision? Uh, not by himself. And I think that's why, People like Adam Peters are incredibly important. <laughs> and I think, I think John's a really good CEO. He's a really good figurehead. Yeah. I think hiring him built back a lot of fan equity that Jed York lost by moving the team an hour and a half south of San Francisco uh, on a good day um, Absolutely. In, into a stadium that is uh, in a gravel parking lot that's guaranteeing you a sunburn. But, hey, there's grass on the roof. Um, I do think that 
Like <laughs> hiring John helped with that, right? Because you're like, I've seen this guy on TV. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. Like this, awesome. You know, look at us doing this. So I think yeah. from a marketing and PR perspective, it was a great hire. From a building a team perspective, I think that remains to be seen. Absolutely. And you know, I would say the same thing about Mike Mayock and John Gruden in Las Vegas. Now it's the same. It's a similar situation where you you went for the splash and you may have missed out on some substance that would have allowed you to build this team faster, you know, and, and that's, or a more sustainable team. And I think with John, like, you know, people talk about, Oh, well, he got George Kittle in the fifth round. Okay. Well, at that point it's luck. If you get a guy, if you get George Kittle in the fifth round, you got him there, not because you thought he was going to be great or you would have drafted him much, much earlier. Now identifying that he was going to be talented. That's okay. Good job. But you, you don't get to hang a fifth round pick on your mantelpiece, you know, because otherwise it, you would have drafted him in the second. Um, and so instead of CJ Beathard in the third that year, you would have taken George Kittle. So I, I don't have a ton of faith, but I think that I hope I'll say that I hope that Kyle, uh, Kyle's so, so smart. He knows what to do here. And I think that it's just important to keep the front office full of people who do have more of a scouting background and let John do what he does well, you know, let him, let him be the CEO and let him have input. You know, when he, you know, I know he watches film. I know he does the work. Let him have input and let him be, let him be the general manager, but it's, it's definitely more on a front facing level than I, maybe any other team in the league, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, we definitely get the feeling that Shane Hanson calling the shots and especially with some of those trade-ups. And, and I, I, I assume you've heard the story of how you know, they graded kill very high, but, Shanahan's admitted that moving up for Williams and, and previously moving up for Beathard, he expected that Kittle was going to be gone with their fifth pick. So they really, really lucked into it. I mean, he was willing to give Kittle up for a guy who never played a football game in the NFL and a guy who probably should have never played a football <laughs> game in the NFL. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, obviously, you know better than anybody that if everyone was uh, 100% correct all the time, then the league would look a lot different than it does right now. But... That was, to me, a huge swing and a miss and one that makes me think that we probably need a little bit more scouting knowledge in the draft room, whether it be virtual or otherwise in the future. And I just worried with Peters and some of these other front office individuals who are wanted by other teams or maybe drawn away by other teams or coaches that leave. It could be a problem for the Niners going forward because I don't really like their last four drafts very much. And, you know, I know John doesn't like me very much anymore, but I am a free agent currently. Oh. And so, if you know, if they need a little help, uh, I'm happy oh, to sit in my office in Missouri and watch film and help out. So That's that's a good offer. I like that. To think about how much better we would actually be if he actually took you up on that. One of these days. I feel like when you get on his bad side, you probably don't get off very easily, would be my guess. <laughs> I yeah uh, I won't I won't go into a lot of detail um, publicly since this is a podcast. <laughs> I just know that I am uh, not at all allowed to to be in that building uh, for a while. So okay. I'll leave it at that. It's good that I'm in Missouri. <laughs> it wasn't a postal service problem that you didn't get your Christmas card this year. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely wasn't. <laughs> yeah. I'll ask one more. You've been quite kind with your time. I mean, we appreciate it for sure. I sort of. Feel like you're an authority on this matter, probably from a 49er perspective more than anybody else. So, you know, it's still early in the process for normal human beings, where it's probably like late in the process for you. <laughs> but who do you want the 49ers to draft this year if they're stuck at their current spot? And 
Lynch is, I don't know, taking a nap or something like that and isn't able to trade the pick away to some other team for who knows what. Oh, man. If, so if I had my choice, I would actually um, – that's so tough. Realistically, if I had my choice, it would be Trey Lance, quarterback from North Dakota State. I, I really like him. I think mm-hmm. – I know people, you know, kind of stopped talking about him this year because he didn't play, right? And, right. and that's not his fault. Or he played one game. <laughs> I, it doesn't really count, right? And so I still really like him. I'm really intrigued by – that combination of, you know, arm strength and speed. And he's got the a great you know, body type for the NFL. He's 225. He's going to be able to you know, take the pounding of an, an NFL season. And, you know, last year when I watched him, I thought like, this is Deshaun Watson, 28 touchdowns. Uh, he, he rushed for 14 more and he didn't have a turnover. And I know level of competition is an issue, but like that, that to me is somebody who, like Kyle said, at that position, you want people who can do excellent things. And I think that Trey can be can be that guy. So realistically, Trey Lance would be my pick. I, I would love Patrick Sertan, as I said before, he's a great scheme fit. Um, but if we're being realistic uh, at twelve, then sign me up for Trey Lance. The number five will look good in the San Francisco jersey. It has. That's true. So you, I mean, you 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 think there's a, a chance that 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 Lance makes it out of the top ten like that? Yeah, I do. I, I could see people overthinking. You know, the the opt out and the year off and the mm-hmm. level of competition, you know, and like GMs are human beings, right. some of them. And so <laughs> you look at, I do think that like Trey gets hurt a little by Carson Wentz. I was going to ask think that. Justin yeah. Fields gets hurt a little by Dwayne Haskins. Right. And so I, I love Zach Wilson. He's a hell of a player. But I do think like the other guys kind of have a little bit of a stain on them right now because mm-hmm. of how they're, you know, the guys before them performed. And so I, I, there is a possibility, but you know, we're sitting here January 13th and like, what does Atlanta do? Because if Matt Ryan, he's 35, even if they, you know, they might do it, you know, a Pat Mahomes type thing where they draft a guy and let Matt play one more year. I think that's really intriguing. Detroit, same thing with Matthew Stafford, Uh, Carolina, Teddy Bridgewater. So there's a couple teams in front of the Niners where it's almost like if they draft a quarterback, we want theirs, you know, so it's it's really an interesting scenario right now that, um, you know, even some of these places have job openings, you know, Atlanta has one. Carolina uh, had as a GM opening. So you got to figure out what they're going to do there before you can really uh, kind of sketch this thing out. Mm-hmm. Well, cool. Well, Matt, we want to uh, thank you again for, for all your time and for joining us and um, tell us just before uh, we let you go, where can people go to, to sign up for the site and to, and a little bit about how they can get involved with what you're doing. So uh, Everything will be free in the beginning and, and just to, you know, kind of give people a taste of what we're doing. And then uh, over the next, you know, the weeks after February 11th, that'll kind of phase out. It's seven bucks a month to sign up. So it's like a decent beer at a bar once a month, right? And you get all the mock drafts, player rankings, big boards, my scouting notebook column that I did at Bleacher Report. I'll be doing that every week. And then there's a lot of add-ons. Be doing Zoom happy hours, scouting clinics with people like Matt Bowen and Jeff Schwartz and Quincy Avery. And like trying to bring in people who are smarter than me to, educate not just me but also my readers uh we're doing um live mock drafts so like one of y'all could sign up to be the niners gm and we're going to be in a zoom meeting and so there's gonna be 32 gms in there and myself and there's gonna be trades and everything it's gonna be wild it's gonna be crazy i'm I'm so looking forward to that and we're gonna do those quite often so not just articles it's like a whole interactive thing going on very cool yeah sounds like a community tell me about this founding member option you're throwing out there as well 
Yeah, so I this is actually something that the, the platform I, I went with, Substack, this is something that they recommend. And it basically allows people to pay a little bit more than the, the, the asking rate. And for that, you know, it's just like, hey, it's, I appreciate you guys being supportive. So um, I'm having some like hoodies and hats run off. And so anybody who's a founding member that signs up, you're going to get a hoodie, a hat before anybody else does. And then I'm not sure if y'all are aware, I run a foundation uh, that provides coats yeah. and clothes to kids in need. Well, the way we fund that foundation is we do raffles. So I ask players who I'm friends with, hey, will you sign something for my foundation and send it to me? And we raffle it off. So people who are founding members uh, get 50 uh, raffle entries, which is 50 bucks, basically, that they can throw in at any time of the year. So we just did an Aaron Rodgers one. Uh, Niner fans will be happy to know there's a, a lot of Niner connections. Uh, so there's almost always like a Kittle or a Bosa thing going on at some point in the year. So um, it's just a way to like kind of get back. And it helps me go from, you know, a, a job at Bleacher Report with a salary and knowing everything to the uncertainty of starting out on my own. Mm-hmm. It definitely sounds like a, I guess like a win, win, win. For the, many people who are big fans of yours and follow you very closely, especially the, the Niner fans, hopefully get a uh, significant portion of people signed up for that. Yeah, it's been great. And I, I like truly the, the feedback. I expected a lot of people, I expected a lot of negativity to Twitter. And there hasn't been any, which either Twitter has like deleted everyone who's a troll or people are just being really cool and supportive, which is it's probably that Twitter deleted all the trolls. But <laughs> either way, it's been it's been really cool to see, you know, over the yeah. last week, the support the from readers and, and colleagues and everybody. So it's been awesome. Very nice. I'm going to have to sign up now. Great. <laughs> <laughs> you talked me into it. <laughs> Very good. Well, again, uh, thanks, Matt, for joining us on the uh, Niner Noise podcast. It's been a, a, a pleasure. I will speak for, for both Chris and myself to say to, to have you on. And uh, anytime you want to come talk to us about anything that's going on, uh, please let us know and we'll be happy to have you on again. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much. And I, I know we'll have a lot to talk about this off season. So I'm happy <laughs> I'm to come on. I'm sure that's true. Thanks, Matt. Yeah. Thank you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for all the great info. Yeah, of course. Anytime. Thank you. <sighs> I love that guy. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was fun. That was a good chat. Can we talk for like four hours, please? I know. Seriously, we. I think we would just like to turn this podcast into a, a situation where we just bring on people that that we like, um, and they just talk to us for. Or how about just Matt Miller and Barrows, <laughs> and we'll just talk talk all day long. Just Barrows and Miller, just back and forth. Like you guys come talk to us, and we'll just chat about football for for a really long time. I think that would be great. Um, ideal, but yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun. And, uh, again, as we said, we, we, um, appreciate, uh, Matt giving us his time and, uh, definitely take the opportunity to, to jump in and join his, uh, new site. Uh, when that comes around, there's, uh, there are ways in that you can get into it right now. And it seems like there's going to be a lot of cool and interesting content coming up here very soon from a guy who really knows what he's talking about. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he's got to offer. I've decided that I'm in. <laughs> I want all you guys to be with me. Let's do this. Very good. Chris will be the first uh, 49ers GM on that mock draft, I bet you. I'm sure like 5,000 people already put in for it. <laughs> that, that's probably true. But And then you'd probably draft like some like defensive tackle or something that nobody knows. So I should ask him, who's the last person that we should draft and then be the 49ers GM <laughs> and then draft that guy? <laughs> 
And Matt never returned to the podcast ever again. But um, yeah, so that was a lot of fun. Um, again, thanks to Matt. And uh, go check out his site and sign up for information to come to you about how to join and all that kind of stuff. But um, as always, thanks for listening uh, to this episode of the Niner Noise podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. Uh, as always, check out NinerNoise.com for all your latest 49ers news and analysis. Be sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And of course, share it with all your fellow 49er fan friends. So until next time, let's sound the horn, 49ers. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.